0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stacking Growth Podcast. I am Tori, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Allison.
1: Hey, everyone. What's up?
0: So we've got a good topic for today, a timely one. Um, we are currently in the US. We are in uh, entering the fall season, and the fall season means a lot of fun things. It's my favorite time of the year, personally. The weather's getting a little bit cooler. There's going to be uh, American football on TV. Um, I'll probably go shotgun a Pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks tomorrow morning, uh, and and for all of us marketers, we're entering planning season, which can be um uh, a really kind of crazy hectic time if um if you don't know what you're doing but uh i think the 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 most important part right is that um you're really kind of looking at the 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 year the last couple months the last couple quarters behind you understanding you know how things have been going in 2022 uh and also you know uh, really starting to focus on 2023 Right? what your um, your your revenue targets your uh, you know your different um, uh, campaigns and, and things of that nature that that you've been talking about all year that maybe you're pushing out um, to uh, uh, either the end of q4 or early q1 and so um, there's a lot of different things in motion right now and so Allison and I thought we would try to record an episode talking through um, really a, a very high level framework for annual demand planning. Uh, admittedly, I, I did come across, um, you know, a, a brief outline in the DGMG community, uh, just around annual marketing planning. That's where this idea kind of was sparked. But, um, I also felt like, Although it was intended to be uh, high-level content, it just left a lot to be desired. Um, and I, I know that we do uh, a lot of this type of planning, whether it's right now for you know a full year or just a month ahead, a quarter ahead. We do this a lot with our clients, and so I think that there's some things that we can take from uh, you know the. Um, the high-level outline that we have, and add a little bit of uh, the experience that Allison and I have going through this, and um, and provide uh, all the listeners here with a framework that they can follow to um, you know uh, really conduct a productive planning session with their colleagues and get everyone really geared up and uh, and and headed in the right direction into 2023.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say one of the best things about progressing along in, in my career here is I've gone through multiple uh, planning planning periods. And it's funny to look back on some of those first planning periods where it's basically, I was very reliant on somebody giving me the goal, and then I kind of figured out how we were going to hit that goal. And as I've grown in my confidence, in my knowledge of how, what marketing's role should be within an organization. I like to approach these, these periods of planning from like a really interactive perspective where I'm coming prepared with my data, with my analyses, my hypotheses to say, you know, this is what I think the, the number should be or could be or what marketing could contribute. And so I think that's like probably my number one just thing I wanted to get across today is. If you're a leader in your organization that has any involvement in planning, um, don't feel like the other departments have to tell you what, you know, marketing can or can't do. You should feel really empowered to be part of that decision and saying, based on the data, based on the history, based on our market, here's where I think we're going to land.
0: Yeah, I I think that that's um that's so important right that uh that we're we're taking a look at those historicals uh right to understand where we've been um, making some realistic projections and forecasts about where we could be but um the thing that I want to uh, kind of you know double back on here that you mentioned Allison which um when you and I started talking about this topic uh I think you rightfully kind of you know I guess called me out on this right and it's like um, when we were talking, it was okay. You start with the revenue target and and kind of you know work backwards from there, right? This is not your traditional uh, reverse waterfall math. It, there's definitely a lot more to it than that. But um, I think that the the key thing here, right, is that it shouldn't just be that your leadership team is coming to you and saying, you know, marketing, this is your number this year. This is what we need you to hit. Uh, it needs to be a conversation and and maybe even a negotiation. And so I think that. Um, having the data is going to be critical in being able to come to the table and and really get realistic about the target that you're signing up for in marketing um, and then the other caveat that I want to throw into all this which is uh, almost a little bit ironic is that like one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my career is um, is 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 thinking that these plans that we're going to put together are set in concrete and that this is, the charter for the year. This is, this is what we will follow. Uh, if there's anything I've, I can, you know, say with certainty throughout my marketing career, it's that um, nothing should be set in stone. It should all be yeah. fluid. You know, you should continue to reassess. Uh, but I think that there are some things that um, it is good to have a really... Uh, you know, at least a formalized plan as possible. And um, a lot of that I think can be around the demand planning, uh, around forecasting, using the historicals and and mixing in a little bit about, um, you know, the growth targets and and projections that you have. And so why don't we get into that? Let's, uh, let's, let's dive right in. So um, to start, you know, uh, uh, again, setting that, that kind of outline that sparked this idea for us, um, the, the, the real kind of, I guess, key, Components of uh, of this this approach was you know start with your revenue target, break it down into key marketing levers, and then um, and then really figure out your tactics for for impacting those levers. And so here's what I mean. Let's say let you had your revenue target, uh, and the levers in this situation are going to be you know what are the big bets, the big approaches, the big programs that you're going to be running to hit that revenue target. And the tactics from there might be your individual campaigns or, um, you know, channel specific strategies or something that you might work on to improve conversion rates or retention. Um, And so, you know, it starts big and it gets it gets kind of smaller from there. Uh, But what you don't want to do right is just be planning tactics at this point in the year. That's going to get you in trouble. That's just kind of spinning your wheels. um, And it's and it's not the the best approach, especially at this point in the year when, you know, you're kind of thinking uh, what the year 2023 might bring, what big targets does the company have? Is this a plan I can put in front of the, the C-suite? Um, and if you're talking about tactics, then uh, you're, you're not going to get very far. So starting with revenue, definitely the, the critical component of it here. And Allison, going back to what you were saying before, right? Like um, it shouldn't just be about, you know, what what is the revenue target and what percentage of that, you know, uh, is marketing signing up for? But instead, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of let you take things from here.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, the ideal situation is it's like we're coming and having a conversation. I love your idea of the negotiation, but actually I would even take, uh, here's your revenue number over, um, here's your MQL target, or here's yeah. the website traffic target, or here's the you know LinkedIn follower target that we have. So actually, if your company is coming to you with a revenue number, I would say you're probably on the the better half of the path here forward. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of th- thinking about that actually as you were talking is um, ideally it's, it's collaborative, but the next best scenario is that the company has identified that marketing can be accountable for a revenue number, not a pipeline influenced number, not an MQL number, but an actual revenue, net new logo acquisition number. Um, so I think that is, you know, just the number one thing. If if you have not gotten there yet as a marketing organization, you need to beg to own a number because that's the only way that I think marketing and you and I talked about this will be shifted from a cost center to a very strategic part of the business. is hundred mm-hmm. percent. Right. And,
0: and I talked to a lot of marketers, um, not necessarily, you know, uh, just like clients that we work here at Refine Labs, but people in my network, people I've worked with throughout the years. Um, and that is a, a common complaint, right? Marketing is, we're looked at as a cost center. People come to us to, you know, uh, build decks and, and, and collateral and help them prepare for events. And, and we know that marketing can and should be doing so much more than that. Uh, and it starts with owning that revenue number, um, and really trying to figure out like how much we can contribute to the business this year, how much can, uh, how much marketing sourced revenue, right? That revenue that comes in from the website, or even let's say is directly attributable to some of your other sources. How much of that can marketing contribute to that overall target this year? Um, and figuring out, you know, what that, that number is, is going to be your best starting point. Uh, and also, you know, uh, could potentially be a really big unlock for some of those companies where marketing is really trying to earn a seat at the table and, and not just be looked at um, as a, a group of people that, um, you know, uh, sits around, goes to happy hours and, uh, and builds PowerPoint decks all the time.
1: Exactly. And right along with that, I think one of the things I did wrong early in my career is maybe I had a number, but I didn't have the right line of sight to what the CAC goals were. And so I do think a very important part of establishing a revenue target is also understanding the CAC goals. So. What's your average selling price and how does that factor into your net new logo number, which is then sort of a larger revenue number? And okay, now I have my, my cat goals so that when you move into that growth lover and that tactical phase, you know exactly how much you can spend to be efficient, to be profitable. Or maybe you're willing to say, all right, we're going to run at a kind of a profitability deficit for a little bit because we have a lot of work to do and we need to really spend kind of growth at all costs in the beginning and then focus on our you know profitability and our efficiency metrics. So until you identify if you don't identify a CAC number, it's very difficult to make those budget projections and the other thing that can be difficult is if finance is giving you a budget and you don't know those CAC numbers, it's hard to say this is or is not enough and to have those healthy conversations with your finance team on no, you know, this is the this is what I think I'm going to need. I need this, uh, you know, it has to be able to be used fluidly throughout the quarter. You know, I don't want like to get into a, a use it or lose it situation. So I think um, all of those those inputs are really critical to get like in the early stages before you even dive into tactics or go making the hundred uh, and twenty five page marketing playbook for the year. you know, you really want to know exactly exactly how you're going to get to that end goal
0: yeah and and I think the other thing I'll add is um, oftentimes it can be difficult uh, for marketers to get the full cost to acquire a customer because that is frequently going to include things like FTE right the the, the headcount um, and uh, that's not always let's say kind of publicly available information throughout the, the company. So depending on, you know, the level at which you work and how close you are to your finance team and, and you know, the overall leadership team, um, CAC is the ideal, but, you know, you could also look at it as like ad CAC, right? That's something that we use pretty frequently. Um, and, uh, you know, and that is much more focused on like the amount of money that you're, you're spending within your advertising programs, your paid media programs, uh, and how that kind of uh, connects back to, your ability to acquire a customer and certainly the, you know, the ADCAC payback period as well, right? How, how soon are you going to be able to, to effectively repay the, um, the funds that uh, you know, you're, you're using up within your, your ad budget. So um, great stuff. Okay. And so taking things right, you know, we're, we're at the top, right? We've got the revenue target. And so what do we do with that? Um, so I think like, here's where we get into what we're calling these, these growth levers. Uh, right. What will be these key drivers of the marketing contributed revenue, um, and you know, uh, trying to also kind of figure out how much budget do we need uh, in order to to really achieve these growth levers? So I think that um, you know this is going to be uh, a part of your strategy where um, having quantifiable goals is uh, the best case, but. But, big but here, um, you know, maybe not every single one of your growth levers is going to have, you know, uh, a, a specific, let's say number or metric um, that is is gonna be part of the growth lever. And it should be part of the tactics that will follow, but we'll, we'll get into that in, in a few minutes. Uh, and so with these growth levers, right? Like a, for instance, um, as you're starting to get into, you know, some of the kind of like demand planning here, and, and starting to look at your historicals, that's when you can start to say, okay, you know, based on the, let's say the, the hand raiser number that we saw come in previously, this is, you know, um, what we saw from our conversion rate, this is what it led to in terms of opportunities and close one revenue. And so from there, you know, all of a sudden, when you're starting to kind of unpack each, let's say, stage of your, your, your inbound funnel, Um, that's when you can start to kind of uncover what your true growth levers are. Is it going to be that top-level demo number? Is it going to be the conversion rate from the demos into pipeline? Um, Is it going to be the conversion rate from pipeline into close one revenue? Uh, You know, really starting to dissect your funnel and look, you know, stack ranking against what what else you can find as far as like industry benchmarks and how your your company is stacking up, or perhaps looking at it year over year and figuring out areas where you've grown in the Past that, you know, you can continue to grow. Um, you know, this is really where you can start to figure out with data what the right way for you to approach that revenue target is, um, and do a little bit of kind of modeling and, and forecasting around that. So, uh, you know, Allison, I know that we've got a really robust template that you've played a large part in building around here for how we do this demand planning, but. Um, Do you want to kind of let's say run through it verbally here and at least give some people uh you know at least some some insights into like how this um you know the how we handle demand planning here and and we can tie it back to you know uh the annual planning the 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 growth levers
1: yeah so i think like your biggest growth levers are obviously your budget and then your conversion rates uh and your and some of your unit economics which is largely tied back into budget so I I really like to think of, and I've made this mistake before where I mix up levers with tactics. So a lot of people will will say, oh, my, my growth lever is LinkedIn. No, LinkedIn is your tactic. Your growth lever is, you know, a, a paid media strategy on, on a, you know, on LinkedIn platform. And in order to do that, really the, the lever is like, Growing and accelerating and amplifying your inbound programs holistically. So, I think it's just like you're still like just that one level up. Um, so, I like to look at Tori's point like, where can we increase conversion rates? Because we can do, we can get away with less at the top if we can squeeze more out of the bottom. So, what are the fundamental programs that I need to put into place to tighten up some of those conversion rates, accelerate those conversion rates a little bit more? Um, Yeah, Yeah, no, the, the other thing I like to look at too is I talk a lot about like point of diminishing return from a budget perspective. So really look at on average, you know, as you increase over the last six months, as you've increased your budgets by X, how much have your form submissions grown? And that gives you a sense, like if your ratio is extremely off, if you're increasing budget on average, like 40% month over month, and you're only seeing a 5% lift, then you're overspending in that tactic. And you need to consider pairing back, reallocating, investing in some other fundamental programs. So really just making sure you're not equating, okay, if I spend here, I'm going to get that equal amount of return here because it's not not, um, parallel that way
0: yeah and so i think it starts with your historicals right mapping all that out you know use a google sheet or or you know an excel sheet um, starting with your, you know, your, your revenue, your, your demo volume, um, the opportunity volume and calculating the conversion rate in between, uh, you know, maybe what turns into, um, what we call a, a hero, a high intent revenue opportunity. Some folks known as, know it as a sales qualified opportunity. So that, that lower stage in the, in the funnel, and again, you know, calculating your conversion rates along the way, and then, you know, into the, the closed one revenue. And so what that'll give you a picture of over the past year is what your performance looked like throughout the funnel. And now you can start to begin kind of playing around with each of these levers and saying, okay, let's say that um, I know what all these conversion rates are. And I know that, you know, uh, if I spent uh, $100 last year and I got 100 demos, well, if I spent $200 next year, might I get 200 demos? Um, and so, you know, really kind of playing around with the numbers like that to figure out, uh, again, you know, what do you want to make your bets on uh, in terms of being able to impact that, that bottom line, that close one revenue, which is ultimately going to tie back to the, the revenue target that your company owns? But I think the part that's also important, right, is that let's say that you know the, your finance team says your budget is flat year over year. Um, and, but your, your revenue target is going to increase 25%. So this same approach is how you can go and, and say, okay, let's base that in a little bit of reality here. Here's what we achieved last year. And here's what you're asking me to achieve this year. And here's the Delta. Um, now how are we going to go make up the Delta? Is that, you know, uh, a hundred percent marketing's problem to figure out? in many cases it is. Um, but it, again, you know, this is where you want to have the, the tough conversations with your your leadership team, with your CFO, and really kind of, you know, help them see your view of the world. And um, and of course, basing a lot of that in the performance data is the best way to do it. So it's not purely assumption-based or, uh, you know, um, yeah, kind of going a- against what a, a lot of the, the beliefs are around the company, if, if you've got the data to really back up a lot of your uh, your narrative there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So from here, um, right, you know, figuring out your your growth levers, you know, maybe you've got like three or four of them, your big bets for the year. Uh, now is when you can start to really get into the tactics. And this is kind of, you know, I guess when it gets fun for marketers, right? It's, it's okay. If we know that we need to, for instance, increase our pipeline conversion rate into close one revenue, um, how are we going to do that, right? It's probably not going to be from like, cold targeting, awareness-based ads, maybe it's going to be something a little bit more specific around, let's say, you know, working really closely with your customer success team and identifying frequently asked questions that are coming to their team and figuring out how to build out content strategies around that. Or maybe it's going to be something around, uh, you know, your sales team is is just, you know, seeing a lot of bloat in a certain stage of the pipeline. Um, And at that stage is when, X, Y, and Z is typically part of the conversation with the with, with the prospects, and so again, you know, really trying to unpack the the data um, and trying to figure out what is the best way for you to make an impact there, and starting to assign some different tactics, uh, and again, you know, um, what the potential budget allocation might be for those tactics, so that you can really start to. Um, help your your collective team and certainly your leadership team understand how you go from the tactical execution all the way up to uh, you know the the revenue projection or um, you know the let's say the the revenue request that uh, that that you're being um, you're being handed at that at that juncture.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a really good spot to sort of take that larger revenue goal and break it down into quarterly or monthly targets too, just to make. The execution piece uh, a little bit less nebulous and a little bit more like, all right, in Q one, here is what I am going to focus on. These are my specific tactics. The goal is to you know pull those different levers that we talked about, and in pulling those levers, we're going to reach our target. Our our targets. Um, so I think that's how you start to sort of like ladder up these conversations together. Um, I think also at the the sort of the tactical stage too, is um, this is where you want to understand like what has been working and that like you're sort of like always on programs, um any sort of incremental changes that you need to make there. But then this is also a really great opportunity to think about your experiments and what does your experimental roadmap look like for the future. Um, what are you going to test out and and when is that going to be slated and and how does it tie back to one of those levers that you need to to pull? so, um, definitely in the tactic, it shouldn't all be experimental, um, but it should definitely be a healthy balance between the two. And I think that sometimes um, I've gone too far in in one or the other direction. I've either been like pretty flat and just made these little micro changes, which really isn't impactful. Or I've been like, I'm going to try everything new. It's a new year, new me. Like this is exactly what, you know, I'm, I'm so excited for the experimental. And then you lose sight of like What's the engine that's keeping things running when you're in the middle of this experiment? so
0: yeah, or you're running so many things that you don't know what's actually making the impact there that's that's entirely yeah. possible too. um and so uh I think that this is actually a perfect segue into kind of like the last you know uh, segment of, of what we're gonna talk about here, which is which is measuring success, right? You talked about experiments just now, and um, you can't run an experiment without having an idea of how you'll deem that experiment successful or not. And I think that the same can be said for you know the entire kind of strategy that we uh, and framework that we're setting forth here. So um, I think I like to think about you know uh, measuring success and and performance measurement um, from two angles. There's the angle that's gonna you're going to be looking at on like a day to day, week to week basis. Most likely, this is going to, you know, include at the very least some type of dashboard in your CRM. Maybe you've also got like, uh, you know, something that is in your marketing automation platform. Maybe you've got some type of business intelligence tool that marries it all together. Um, but whatever the case, like. You need your performance dashboard but then um you know you also need to have some type of a very simplified view that can be socialized or put in front of the uh you know the leadership team the executives the investors the board of directors right and so um i think a popular approach there is right some type of marketing scorecard Again, you want to make sure that you're providing updates on your growth levers, how you're progressing against them. Uh, you want to kind of talk through, um, let's say, maybe any shortcomings and and gap remediation plans. But the ideal here is that you can do all this on one page, on one slide, uh, right? And 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 ensure that um, this is going to be very digestible, even if you're not the one that that is presenting it or, or socializing it around. So those are the, in my opinion, kind of the two pieces of the performance measurement but let's double back to that performance dashboard because we certainly have a a very prescriptive um view on what we like to look at in terms of our performance dashboard and uh allison i know that um this is uh, something that's that's certainly near and dear to your heart so i'll let you kind of you know take the lead and uh and and talk through a little bit about what things we like to look at inside a um a crm
1: yeah inside a crm i always like to look at pretty much four main things and then different just sort of ways of visualizing that data. So what, you know, how many closed one uh, opportunities do I have? So how many net new logos do I have? Uh, I like to look at the numerical value and then I look at, like to look at the monetary value. And I like to look at that in a quarterly and a month over month view. And then I also like to look at my, people have a variety of different, you know, ways they'll term this, but essentially like your meetings booked and your meetings completed. So I want to understand what that is is looking like. And actually, I'm sorry, I skipped one in between there, closed one would be your high intent revenue opportunities. So again, like these are typically a stage two opportunity and they I like to look at that from both a numerical and a monetary value as well in that quarterly and monthly view. And then the level below that is going to be like your meeting booked, meeting complete. And then the level below that is your high intent uh, hand raisers, your high intent conversions. Um, that's really the bulk of what my my dashboard is made up of. And then kind of in a separate spreadsheet, I like to look at the conversion rates between those. I like to th- look at... Um, Layer in some unit economics, so like how, how what is my adCAC, what is my um, cost per hi- hero, cost per, per meeting booked, um, but it really, it like everything I need to uh, understand what's working and what's not working comes from essentially those four main metrics that should live within your CRM.
0: Yeah. And like, I, you don't need a ton of tech to measure all this stuff, right? Like you don't need, you don't need a domo. You don't need, um, you know, uh, a, a full blown business intelligence tool. Hey, great. If you've got one and you've got, you know, uh, team members that, that can own that and, and, and utilize it, the, the uh, you know, the appropriate way. And if that's the case, then, uh, by all means work with those people and, and, you know, build out, uh, every single dashboard view under the sun, but for the rest of us, um, you know, yeah, that, that view, which ironically, you know, your view of the funnel there, Allison, is kind of flipped upside down, right? You're starting yeah. with the revenue at the top and then, uh, the top of funnel metrics at the bottom. But, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, those are really the, the, the key pieces that you want to be watching as a marketer, um, and, you know, even if they don't tie directly back into your tactical execution or your growth levers, you know, these still are the most important parts of, of what you're going to be looking at, especially as a demand marketer is understanding, you know, the health of your funnel, uh, how things are, you know, what type of volume are you getting in the top? What's the quality look like? And are there any kind of friction points throughout? Um, and, you know, these are the areas that uh, you know, we're recommending that you look at in order to build this plan. But it's also extremely important to look at on a regular basis to understand, do you need to pivot away from that plan, right? Maybe at some point you say, wow, our top of funnel volume is is higher than we expected, our conversion rates um, are better than we expected. Uh, you know, that's great. And so that means you know, you don't want to sit back on your heels and, and and celebrate. That means you need to pivot and and figure out something else to work on, some other way to continuously improve your operation, your investments, um, and and figure out you know uh, how to get even more out of the 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 money that your your finance team is uh you know is giving you to spend. And um and I promise that uh you know they're going to be happy if you do take that approach and you're not um again just getting back to uh, going to happy hours and and building PowerPoint decks.
1: Totally, and I mean. I'll tell you why I always flip that funnel and I'm definitely not alone. I learned this from a lot of great marketers as well, but I will inevitably get asked to make, to your earlier point, one slide or one sheet of paper to summarize what's going on, whether it's in a quarterly, monthly uh, scenario. And really, when you only have one slide or one page, you don't have the space to look at your entire funnel, you have to start with your customer goal. Did you or did you not hit that goal? And what are you going to do about it? And so the very like sort of next layer then is like, all right, why didn't these opportunities come to fruition like I expected? What can I do to move these? They're already in my pipeline. So I already know they are they have intent, they're brand aware. How do I move them? That's like problem number one. And then all right, why didn't these meetings become opportunities? That's problem number two. So then I can kind of solve that tactic. Why didn't these form submissions become meetings? Then I solved that. And then kind of last on my plate would be like, how do I get more form submissions? You know, Because I think it's always like you have to fix what's in your funnel first. Um, You're always going to want to put more into the funnel. But if things can't progress stage by stage, then it, at a certain point, it's kind of irrelevant, right? It's not going to materialize into anything, so you have to figure out how to get all of the juice out of the lemon that you have at the top, um, and make sure that that you're thinking about it kind of from that backwards, bottoms up, perspective.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's uh, that's that's such a great recommendation, and um, I think uh, probably a good one to to close out on here. So. Um, I think that we have outlined uh, what I look at as as a really effective framework for you know building out an annual plan. Just saying annual plan kind of you know skews me out a little bit, um, but uh, it is still something that we know that you know many executives are asking for right now. So build out that annual plan, but. Um, but be sure that you know again you're not just kind of putting this on the bookshelf and letting it collect dust until next year but that it's something that you're constantly monitoring measuring and figuring out you know do you need to pivot are you, are there gaps do you need gap remediation plans um, and you know and going through and, and kind of diagnosing the health of your your funnel just the way that that Allison had uh, you know kind of picked apart her her theoretical funnel here um, you know that's that's exactly what you should be doing so so go ahead and go forth build those Plans, put them in front of your executive team, feel confident about it. But uh, in the back of your mind, know that, like, hey, you know, at any point here, we might need to pivot if we see, you know, things that are. Um, playing out a little bit differently than we expected, and that's the name of the game in marketing. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid to um, to make those changes when you need to. Right? It's all about experimentation and getting better every single day. So, hopefully, uh, by listening to this, y'all got a little bit better today, and and we were able to offer some some helpful tips for you as you're entering planning season here. So, um, anything uh, anything else from you, Allison, before we close out?
1: No, good luck. We uh we feel the pain. We're right there with you, and uh, yeah. Hopefully this is helpful.
0: Yeah, happy happy spooky season, happy planning season everybody. Until next time.
1: Bye.